is uh, from the Blue Cliff Record, case 36, Changsha wandering in the mountains. Case. One day, Changsha went wandering in the mountains. <clears throat> Upon returning, when he got to the gate, the head monk asked, Where are you coming from, master? Changsha said, From wandering in the mountains. The head monk said, Where did you go? Changsha said, First I went pursuing the fragrant grasses. When I returned, I went following the falling flowers. The head monk said, How very much like the sense of springtime. And Sha said, It even surpasses the autumn dew dripping on the lotuses. Zretu added the remark, Thank you for your reply. The verse. The earth is clear of any dust whose eyes do not open. First he went following the fragrant grasses. Then he returned pursuing the falling flowers. A weary crane alights on a withered tree. A mad monkey cries on the ancient terrace. Changsha's boundless meaning, Ba. Boundless meaning. So, what do you think our practice is about? How do you think it should be upheld? What are we doing? Why do we show up? This is a question we, we all have to look at on a regular basis and clarify what it means to stay committed to practice. If we don't clarify, we may be pursuing what we think it is we may be committed to an idea of practice rather than practice itself. So we need to clarify. When we first set foot on the path, there's a natural spring in our step in regards to practice. And the initial excitement can carry us forward for quite a while making it relatively easy to stay on track and keep up with it. But as time goes on, the momentum begins to slow down. And what appeared to be easy seems a lot heavier and demanding. What was flowing and clear becomes thick and muddied. And all along, all along, the path itself has not changed its essence. What you felt excited about and encouraged by is not lacking now. Whether you have been practicing five years or fifty years. And what you may feel discouraged by after two, five or forty years has always been there as a potential. What we experience doesn't show up 
We get triggered. And often, instead of looking at it, we look at what we think is causing it. Thinking, if I change that, I won't feel this way. But it's not changing anything. As potential. It's all there. But whatever, whatever seed you choose to feed will be the seed that will grow and manifest in your life. To realize is to actualize. To bring the seed of awakening to life. To make it real. To bring it to action. Do you think that this just happened by itself? And even if it does happen by grace or through some dedicated practice, even if you experience naked reality, do you think it will be sustained when you're good to go? In Dogen's worn-out paragraph from the Genjo Khan, he said, to study the Buddha way is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be actualized by the myriad things. When actualized by the myriad things, your body and mind, as well as the bodies and minds of others, drop away. No trace of realization remains. And this traceless realization continues endlessly. When you first seek the Dharma, you imagine you are far away from it. At the moment when the Dharma is correctly transmitted, you, am, you are immediately your original self. End of course. Now this saying is very rich and profound and we can discuss it for many years. But the point I want to emphasize here is the endless nature of practice. The endless realization continues forever. Realization upon realization. A couple of weeks ago we had a seminar with uh, my Aikido teacher some of you know. And um, he's been practicing Aikido for probably 50 years. And uh, every time I see him, I see changes in his teaching. I see that he keeps exploring. And we had a discussion after the seminar. And he expressed that. He said he always keeps it fresh. He always looks further. He always examines. It never ends. This is, this is 50 years of practice. It's never stale. He doesn't see himself as the one who arrived somewhere. It's irrelevant. What he has done up to this point is irrelevant. The question is now what? whether it's one day or 50 years or 80 years of practice. It really doesn't matter. What does matter is that we keep at it and we keep exploring fresh, new, as if it's the first day with the discouragements, with the disappointments, with whatever comes.
Dogen also said, those who have great realization of delusion are Buddhas. Those who have great realization of delusion are Buddhas. Those who are greatly deluded about realization are sentient beings. Further, there are those who continue to experience realization upon realization, that is, practicing endlessly. And those who experience delusions within delusions. You can be further and further deluded or further and further enlightened. Depending on which seeds you nourish. So what does it all mean in regards to our individual practice and commitment? Well, first we have to be absolutely clear about the fact that we are on a continuous and open path that has no beginning and no end. You just happen to take it on. But it did not begin at that day. In the second part of this, we need to understand that while the path is wide and open, the practice tradition employs skillful means such as structure, hierarchy, level of progress, liturgy, intensified training periods, and study. His master Long Ji said once, although you are inherently spirited and splendid, still you must go ahead and enact it. Right? And all the aspects of practice are skillfully helping you enact your true self and bring it to fruition. Yeah, you're a Buddha. You were born a Buddha. But so what? What does that mean? You good to go because of that? Does it mean you don't have to practice? And the third part here, we must never take the practice, our commitment, and the Sangha for granted. And I think we do. We need to recognize how fragile and erratic we are in maintaining sustained level of commitment. How complicated it is for us. And this is a given. It's just the way it is. It's, it's not personal, it's not you versus others, it's not what you had and what you don't have now, or what you think you will have later on. None of that. It's just how it is. And we have to accept it. Which means we shouldn't be surprised when we lose momentum. And maybe even ponder dropping out of practice. The question is, the main question is, are you doing anything possible to stay motivated? Or maybe you expect motivation to knock at your door and show up. kind of drape you. This doesn't happen. If you don't do enough to stay motivated, you are guaranteed to lose motivation. And 
Everybody experiences that. So now what? And I'm bringing this up because I am witnessing attendance fluctuations in regularly scheduled sitting periods and in event participation. And, and I know why, I understand, it makes perfect sense, there are, reasons, there are always good reasons to not show up, there are always good reasons to not be here. And obviously, when we're here, we're not there, right? When we show up at one place, we cannot show up at another place. Of course. And there are always, again, justifiable reasons to skip sitting with the Sangha. Makes total sense. But is it reasonable for us to expect to practice without making any sacrifices? I mean, what, what do we think? What are we expecting? Practice when I have time? When I have free time? Well, what is, again, what is practice? What are we practicing? Is it a hobby? And I've said it before. If it's a hobby, then there's no point. There's no point because the practice will not do what it is designed to do. Or we will not do with it what we are meant to do. It's a waste of time. And it's a shame. It really is a shame. So on a conventional level, when you are at the Zendo, you are not at home with your family, at work, or on a hike. So of course there's going to be a sense of lack. Something is missing. I am not there. Right? Because if I'm at the Zendo, I am missing all the other things I'm not doing. All the other places I would like to be at. But on an essential level, when you sit, the whole world is sitting. And there is no other place for you to be. It doesn't matter whether you're here or there. There's just one place. And it's eternal. It's beyond time and place. It's beyond self and other. How can we realize it? As long as we jump around between I gotta make it to the Zendo and I'm giving up all the other things I, I want to do so let me, maybe I should give up sitting today and then I have more time to do this, this and that. And again it makes sense. Conventionally. But here is the challenge in all this. If, if you don't renew, if we don't renew our commitment to showing up and practice together, the essential truth remains hidden. And the conventional truth prevails. And then we can go from complete clarity 
of understanding why we practice to full obscurity in no time. The practice actually can make sense, even if you are giving up on other things, but only if you have clarity, only if you have glimpses of that which is beyond time and place. And then it makes sense in a different way. But then if we lose the momentum and we don't keep feeding it, and we don't show up, all of a sudden, practice doesn't make sense. And doing something else makes more sense. It's very fragile. We are very fragile. And then we lose trust in the path. In case you wonder why we need to keep the practice alive, just read the news once in a while. And I think you'll be reminded what happens when the conventional truth prevails. Because this is, these are examples of what happens. Just look at this election season. Look at the rhetoric. Look at the madness. Conventional truth prevails. And it does. And all these people who speak this way, for them it makes perfect sense to speak this way. As it is in all these people that fight and go to war with each other. It all makes sense. You know, last Sunday, I can express his gratitude to everyone who is showing up and maintain a community so he can come and practice and sit. And as Endo. And I think this is how we all need to feel and, and to express this gratitude and support by showing up to sit with the Sangha. Or to say it more clearly and more bluntly. When you show up, the Sangha strengthens. When you don't show up, it weakens. Period. You are the Sangha. And I'm not just talking to you who are here, obviously. This is being recorded and will be heard by many others who are not here today. For justifiable reasons. Now, I'm not here to judge between when is the time to show up and when is the time to not show up. But I am here to say that you need to show up if you, if you want to practice. So, so, by not showing up, you're not disappointing me and by showing up, you're not making me happy. But really, it's about what you feel commitment to practice is. You're disappointing yourself. When you're going against yourself. So, so my, my job as your teacher is to tell you 
You gotta be here. Get your butt on the cushion. And I'm gonna say that. Whether you like it or not, I'm gonna put pressure on you. Now what you do with that is up to you. Show up or don't show up. But if I'm not putting pressure on you, I'm not doing what I need to do. I've been put on this cushion for that. To light fire under your butt. To hold your feet to the fire. And I will do that. I will keep doing this. And I know that some will leave and never come back. But some will stick around. And will realize. And realize and realize. And one of my, one of the, uh, the great Aikido teachers I was exposed to, he passed away. He said, without commitment there's no harmony. He said that about Aikido, but really he said that about everything else. Without commitment there's no harmony. There's no realization. There's no practice. We're just walking around in circles, pretending to practice. But who are we fooling? Who are we lying to? Yeah, I would like to remind you what I emailed a while ago when we began this Ango period. And what is meant by taking refuge in the Sangha. The Sangha is a manifestation of harmony. It is us, a group of people who get together to uphold the practice and to help and support each other through the highs and lows of life. It is a way to create a small-scale Dharma-based communities. Instead of waiting for the world to start acting in the same way, we take on the initiative to create a loving, cooperative and supportive environment. As Gandhi said, to be the change you want to see in the world. The Bodhisattva is the one who takes the first step, who takes on the responsibility to create and maintain such communities. And so to take refuge in the Sangha means to inspire, encourage and nurture each other's practice. We need to get in our faces, in each other's faces, not just me. You need to do it with each other. If you don't see somebody for a little while, call them, email them, bug them. Because you care. Because you know what happens without practice. Each one of us is the Sangha. Each one of us is the fuel, the coal that keeps it together, that keeps it going, that keeps it warm, alive. And to do it all, right? We do it all to maintain the vitality of the Sangha so it does not fall apart. Sanghas around the world and throughout history have fallen apart and will fall apart. Make no mistake about that. This is fragile. 
And this will fall apart if you don't show up. So what is the practice about? What are we doing? What are we waiting for? When is it going to happen? What has changed from the time, from the first day you got on the cushion until now? What is different? Changsha said in this koan, he said, he went wandering in the mountains. And the head monk asked, where did you go? Xia said, first I went pursuing the fragrant grasses. When I returned, then I returned following the fallen flowers. And the footnote says here, under that line, he lets, he let, he's let sleep quite a while. From the beginning, he's just been sitting in the forest of thorns. It's always been this way. But there is an idea of what it is when we first get on the path, and then reality sinks in. And the ideas fall apart. The excitement starts to wind down. And then waking up in the morning to show up on Sunday becomes a challenge, a bigger challenge. I don't want to do this again. Oh, we go there again, we sit, we chant. I rather do other things today. That's what happens. And this is universal. It's always been this way throughout history of practice. Practitioners felt exactly the way each one of us feels. For thousands of years. What Changsha is describing, the process of embarking on a spiritual path with the initial excitement and prospects, following some idea of what we think realization will feel like, look like, and smell like. And then, when fully, truly and fully realizing, he is following the fallen flowers with complete equanimity. He's realizing reality as it is, not as he thought it is. Pure, naked, as is. In the footnote from a different koan, says, If you examine thoroughly, you will not avoid the smell of shit. What did you think it is? What do you think it is? You think you will have a spring in your step when you wake up on Sunday morning? Oh, great, I'm going to go sit today. You're going to be tired. You're not going to feel like showing up. And you would rather stay in bed. You would rather do other things. Again, that's universal. So again and again, which seeds do we choose to feed? Because you can't avoid feeding some seeds in you. We all are feeding seeds. Our thoughts, words, and actions are 
feeding seeds. So if you don't choose, you know what happens. Read the news. That will happen to you too. To us, all of us. The conventional makes perfect sense. One of the things I like about this saying is the conventional truth, because it is true. You can't deny. I can't deny the fact that my kids are home now, and I'm here. And I'm not with them this morning. I'm going to be with them after that and spend time with them. But I'm not with them now. There is no practice without sacrifices. Get that clear in your head. Or at least there's no true practice or correct practice without making sacrifices. You want to call yourself a practitioner? Show up. Or better yet, don't call yourself anything and show up. Much better. So you will not avoid the smell of shit. If you practice diligently and with discipline, you will run into thorns. And you will feel discouraged, disappointed, experience loss of trust in the practice, in the Dharma. And when this happens, this happens, you will need to, as Dogen said, buy a new pair of sandals and get back on the path. New pair of sandals. Reignite the commitment. Only you can do that. And I can say all kinds of things and I can write emails and but it comes down to you making the decision to just get out of bed. When the alarm goes off, get up. Don't ponder. Don't sit there. Because if you do, you're going to open yourself up to specific seeds. And that those seeds will prevail. Those seeds will take over. I think, I think there's only one advice that you need on this spiritual path. Only one. No matter what happens, just keep practicing. No matter how you feel, stay on the path. Keep practicing. Show up. You like it, show up. You don't like it, show up. You feel like coming, show up. You don't feel like coming, show up. And you are practicing. The head monk didn't understand the depth of Chancha's words, so he said, how very much like the sense of springtime, right? This is so nice, it smells so good, it feels so good. And the footnote says, he adds error to error. He doesn't get it. He still thinks or beliefs, or hopes, that practice brings you to another place, shows you something that 
you're not seeing now. Again, we'll smell different. But this is it. Delusion is realization. When you realize delusion, you're a Buddha. What else would you like to realize? And then Changsha said, it even surpasses the autumn dew dripping on the lotuses. And even there, the footnote says he, had, he adds mud to dirt. It's like a parrot. He's saying the same thing in different ways. Do we hear it? Do we understand what he's saying? Or do we hear our own version of this? He's adding mud to dirt. All right, you want some more? Okay, I'll pile some more of the same for you. But that's what teachers do, right? Say the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, thousands of times. And then after 10,000 times, oh, how come you never said that before? And I'm saying it because I hear it. In Aikido or any Zen from students. We're deaf, we're deaf, we're deaf, all of a sudden, oh, I hear it. We're blind, 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 all of a sudden the eye opens up. Is it new? New for you. It says here that the first error was light, the second error was deep. But then what end will there ever be? Right? The first error was light, he was saying it, right, Changsha, but then the second error went deep. I don't know, maybe. Maybe the head monk had some understanding. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. Do we have an understanding from that? Now, Secho, who compiled the koans in the Blue record, added a remark at the end of that. That was in addition to that dialogue. He said, thank you for your reply. Thank you for your reply. Now, this, this thank you, of course, you know, it's for Changsha's clear and profound use of words to describe the path. But it's not just that. It is also a sincere expression of gratitude to a tradition that can only be kept alive by dedicated practitioners. Gratitude to each one of us who is willing to make sacrifices and show up at the cushion for daily home practice, show up at the Zendo and support the Sangha, keep up with Zazenkai, Sashin's Koan study, and general Buddhist studies. That's what he's grateful for. Because Changsha's words echo an endless practice. Changsha's words are beyond, beyond Changsha's life. He's just a conduit. He's allowing this to come out, to be expressed. He's not teaching anything new. 
And this is a thank you expressed by every single practitioner before us and every single practitioner in future generations as well. Because if you keep this alive, they're all thanking you. They're not born yet. But they're all thanking you and they will thank you for keeping this alive so they can practice. Why do we think so much about ourselves? Why are we so self-centered? Self-concerned? I don't feel like showing up. It's cozy. Stay in bed. And look what happens when we think this way. Look at our world. The state of our communities. Our country. Our world in general. Look what we do to each other. Because we are so self-centered. Because the conventional prevails. So, past practitioners and future practitioners are actually thanking you for maintaining a link, an alive link, on this endless life chain called practice. If you break that link, if we break that link, something happens. Not to the path, not to what is being realized. That is indestructible. But to the lives of many human beings those who will come after us. And we care. We choose to care. So when the time comes for you to show up, that's the time you have to choose to care about humanity. Not about getting another hour of sleep. About humanity. And I don't think we are honest enough with that, about that. Our tendency is to be self-centered, period. To be self-centered. You know, Joshua, after practicing for about 70 to 80 years, said, The cock crows in the early morning. Sadly, I see as I rise how worn out I am. I haven't a kilt or a shirt, just a semblance of a robe. My loincloth has no seat, my pants no opening. On my head are three or five pegs of gray ashes. Originally, I intended to practice to help save others. Who would have suspected that instead I would become an idiot? You see, it doesn't matter what you have in your mind as thoughts about practice, as concepts about what it is. It doesn't matter. Because sooner or later, if you stick with it, it's going to disappear. 
It won't matter. And then you will be free, further and further free, to practice without practicing. To get up in the morning and show up without giving it one single thought, without worrying about it. Now isn't that freedom? Isn't that amazing to feel this way, to experience such freedom? And the commentary after that says, if one can truly reach this realm, whose eyes would not open? Whose eyes would not open? Though you go, though you go through absets and spills, all places are this realm. All places are this realm. Right? All places are this time and this season. That's why it doesn't matter when you think about, I would rather be somewhere else. You are somewhere else. But we can't see that. As long as we run around between this place and that place and catching up, we can't see that. And that is sad. All places are this realm. All places are this time and season. The ten directions are without walls. And the four quarters are without gates. Now, Yuan Wu, who wrote the commentaries in the Blue Cliff, added, ended with this remark. Changsha's boundless meaning. Dig out the ground and bury it deeper. Bury it deeper. Because even all that is extra. Talking about it. Pondering the practice. Showing up or not showing up. All extra. All too much. Practice itself is clean, clear, free. And it's inviting. And it's asking you, it's asking us to not be so self-centered. To not focus so much on ourselves. Whose eyes do not open? Many. Many eyes stay shut for an entire lifetime. But I think the price is too high. We are willing to pay a very high price for keeping our eyes closed. So this is up to you. I'd like to end this with, with just with that. This is up to you. Whether or not, whether or not this keeps going is up to you. And I'm not just talking about this as this Sangha. I'm talking about what's been upheld by many practitioners before you. 
at that point, at this junction, is up to you.